In an interview with the New York Times on Wednesday, President Donald Trump revealed his opinions on Attorney General Jeff Sessions, the FBI leadership, and more. The biggest news coming out of the interview thus far has been his remarks about the Attorney General. To learn more about the situation, we got in touch with the Daily Beast reporter Gideon Resnick, Ruth Ben-Ghiat, a New York University historian, and then we also spoke with activist and writer Melissa Ryan about the interview. Hi, this is Gideon. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Hey, this is Danny with Anchor, man. How are you? Good, how are you? Doing really good. I appreciate you taking a, taking a couple seconds to chat with us. Yeah, sure, no worries. I guess my main uh, and first question, um, you know, we've all kind of been talking about this internally today, so like, what best questions to ask you? But my main question is just, what are your immediate thoughts you know, on this interview uh, that New York Times did with President Trump? Yeah, I mean, it was revealing in a number of ways, right? Um, you know, there were all kinds of topics that were discussed from uh, his time in France with um, President Macron, uh, health care, uh, a little bit about Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, a little bit about uh, Bob Mueller, the uh, independent counselor who is in- investigating him right now. Um, and it was really, you know, kind of all over the place, um, like a lot of his interviews are. Uh, it's difficult to pin him down on subject uh, because he has a tendency to move between them so so quickly. Um, he has a tendency to, to not use specific language with a lot of things, which um, sometimes makes his answers difficult to decipher. And, uh, you know, I think that the format of publishing it in terms of looking at it as just a transcript is probably the most revealing way in which a person can really view how he thinks about things and just the process of how he actually works through uh, a lot of these different ideas. For you personally, after the interview, did you, you know, leave the interview feeling like you have more questions about Trump and some of his dealings, or do you feel like it kind of answered some things for you? There are definitely a lot more questions, I think. Uh, I think, you know, what we've seen with the president, by and large, especially through this healthcare debate, is that he expresses not an inability, but perhaps a limited understanding of the actual policy mechanics of both legislating and of of what these um, bills would do, right? So, you know, we've heard from uh, Republican senators who have had dinners with him and lunches with him that he is not so interested in grasping the actual effects on insurance markets, um, Medicaid, things like that. But he wants something that is good, right? He uses those sorts of um, blanket terms. And, you know, his views on health care have been wildly different over the last uh, decade or so. Um, Sometimes he has talked about something that sounds closer to a single-payer system, uh, and then sometimes he oscillates to saying that there should be a flat-out repeal of Obamacare. Uh, And, you know, recently he's expressed interest in wanting to uh, go back to the previous iteration, the the Better Care Reconciliation Act, where there would be a replacement uh, version of health care in addition to just, just a straight repeal. So it was revealing in the sense that, uh, you know, we, we get a look at how he's thinking about these processes, but um, we also have yet to learn more about just, you know, his, his views on something as big and, and important as healthcare beyond, um, you know, the positive adjectives that, that he ascribes to the bill and, and his desires to uh, get rid of Obamacare. I guess my last question for you is kind of twofold, but like, 
A, why in the world do you think he chose New York Times? And B, you know, I think you are like me and a lot of people in that even after this interview, we leave with more questions. Do you think we'll get a follow-up interview from someone? Will it be the Times? Who else could it and would it be? Yeah, I think that um, Donald Trump for many years has had a funny relationship with the Times because he looks to them as a metric of success and he wants to be respected by a major publication like that. He has been for quite some time. And he plays this sort of game where publicly it's beneficial for him to, you know, wage these kind of quasi-fake fights with media, um, which is something that, you know, his supporters really enjoy, and it's an, an easy tactic, frankly. But privately, he's one of the more media-obsessed um, presidents we may have ever had. Uh, and so you have this thing going on where there's a dance between um, what he is saying when he wants to go on the attack versus when he wants to actually get these opportunities to to do interviews. He's he obliges and he's he's willing to do you know frankly in depth and and long interviews with the places that he um, seems to bash on on other days. In terms of the the follow up questions. Um, I, I don't know that we'll get um, more answers necessarily. Uh, I think that there has been a, a difficulty in pinning him down on a lot of major policy positions, both in the campaign and as a president, because um, he is just a different sort of, of person in this position where you know he'll commit to one thing and then completely change his mind within a day or two. Uh, and, you know, he has various different people whispering in his ear about ways in which he could go. And a lot of the time he's influenced by the person that he spoke to last, uh, and they could totally change his mind on something. So um, it's a bit difficult to get beyond the, the broad strokes of what he talked about in the campaign and what he's talked about as president, which is, you know, um, improving infrastructure, doing things like being tough on ISIS, um, you know, repealing and replacing Obamacare. But when you really boil down into the nitty gritty, it's a, it's a bit more murky there than it is in, in the larger broad stroke. I have one more question for you based on something you just said, and this may be a little off base. So if you don't answer it, I totally understand. But you said, you know, and I have to agree with you here. You said, you know, sometimes he's most influenced by the person he last spoke with. I think that whatever side of the aisle you're on, Republican or Democrat, a lot of people can agree there are some things he says that are just off-putting, I guess, is a, is a politically correct way of putting it. Is there someone he could talk to, and who would this person be, that could potentially set him straight on some of the things that have us all, whether whatever side of the aisle we're on, we kind of question him. Is there even anybody he could talk to that would maybe influence in a way that would just change a little bit of these things that off-put some of us? I'm not sure that there is, um, because for a, a long time, um, the people that have been around him, both in business and in his short political career, has basically said that he's ultimately going to do whatever he wants to do, right? He gets the final say. Um, he obviously has a massive platform in Twitter where um, a lot of his conflicts that are self-inflicted come from um, because, you know, he wants to get that message out within seconds. And oftentimes that message is um, controversial or, you know, causing a problem that they're ultimately going to have to try to put out, uh, they being the rest of the Western staff. Um, so I don't know that there is necessarily a way to 
rein that in um, because he, you know, is a difficult person to change for one thing. And, and two, he's done this for as long as he's been a, a public figure. And it's, it's part of his image and it's part of the way that he communicates and relates to the world. And it's part of what made him successful in a sense was this sort of cavalier attitude about political correctness and, uh, you know, the way that he is supposed to behave in this office and the way that other people are, are going to react to it. And, you know, at the moment, um, we often get uh, responses from people on the Hill or commentators or pundits or things like that who, you know, will kind of shake their head at something that he says in, in one day and then, you know, the next day just say, uh, well, you know, we kind of hope that he doesn't do it again or, or um, you know, there isn't much that we can do short of prying a phone away from his hand. So um, <laughs> in short, no, I think that I think this is kind of the way he is and the way that he operates. And it's what makes um, a large percentage of the population really like him and, and another big chunk that says that they absolutely can't stand it. Gideon, thank you so much, man. Yeah, of course. Thank you. This is Ruth Ben-Ghiat talking to Anchor about President Donald Trump's New York Times interview. President Trump may call the New York Times a failing publication, but it's his hometown paper and he loves the prestige of being in it. Anytime we're able to hear or read a long interview with Trump, we're exposed to the uniqueness of his thought process. His mind has a mind of its own. He follows an emotional logic, going from statements about loyalty and betrayal when he talks about Jeff Sessions, to victimhood, when he talks about the Russia investigation, to reassurances to himself about how great he is. The interviewer is almost beside the point when Trump repeats three times to himself that Emmanuel Macron of France loved holding his hand. I think he gave the interview right now because he's so anxious about the Russia investigation and giving interviews makes him feel in control. He doesn't care what the effect is. In fact, as political White House reporter Josh Dawsey said, an advisor told him, Dawsey, that Trump thought it went really well and was in a great mood after. And why shouldn't he be? Trump set the news cycle yet again just by doing it. Hi, is this, is this Melissa? This is she. Hey, Melissa, this is Danny with Anchor. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes to chat with us. Yeah, no problem. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just great. You can hear me okay? Yes. Beautiful. So, uh, essentially, you know, obviously this, this story is kind of a big deal because, you know, Trump's very careful about who he talks to. He chose the New York Times. So, I guess, generally... What are your thoughts on this uh, New York Times interview piece about President Trump? Well, I would say he talks to Maggie Haberman at the New York Times quite a bit. And I think the reason he does that is because she prints what he says pretty much verbatim. I mean, she did, they did the, I know there were three reporters on the byline, but they put out the interview um, and then they put out a transcript of, of the interview. Uh, and my, my sense is that's probably why Trump goes back to them, because he feels that they're publishing what he says unfiltered. Do you think that there's anybody else that comes close to that level of Trump's comfortability in reporting besides The New York Times? Uh, I mean, probably Fox and Friends. 
<laughs> so I guess my follow-up question then is, you know, we see, you know, we saw him choose the New York Times. Do you think he would do this level of interview uh, with anybody else in the coming week, two weeks? Uh, this level of interview with any other outlet? Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I would guess something like talk radio or Fox News. I mean, the benefit of the Times is they transcribe whatever he says, but it's not necessarily a friendly audience. Uh, the benefit of, of, you know, say Fox and Friends or Fox News is he knows he's always got a friendly audience for what to say. He's he's obsessed, and he said as much about keeping his base happy and, uh, you know, keeping his base engaged. So he really needs that right-wing media, I think, more than any else. You tweeted that you're not easily shocked by his antics. So what made you think differently with this interview? I mean, I think it's fascinating to go after your own attorney general that you nominated, uh, clearly for the purpose of just humiliating him. You know, he's not calling on Jeff Sessions' resignation. Uh, He's just... um, He's just beating up on him in the press, and uh, it's, it's staggering to me, particularly in a time where his lawyers are surely advising him to say as little as possible, that he's talking openly about the investigation, that he's talking smack about uh, his own you know, ca- uh, attorney general who he's not going to fire. So after this, you know, after this interview, this article is all said and done, do you, in your personal opinion, like, do you leave this with more answers or more questions? I mean, I think it's pretty characteristic of Trump and who he is. Uh, Definitely, if I thought that he was going to listen to anyone's practical advice about laying low and and not making Russia a bigger, the Russia scandal a bigger thing than it is, he's going to ignore it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I agree with you there. That is literally exactly what we're looking for is a couple of awesome audio pieces. You are a seasoned pro, Melissa. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you again, and uh, have a great day. All right, you too. Bye.